Here it is. Welcome back to the show. This is the ADF Underground brought to you by All Day Football. What's up, y'all? I am your host, Chris. They call me Chouse. Welcoming you back to another episode. We continue down the path of dissecting all the divisions and the teams within the NFC. Today's show will be good. It's about the NFC North. I like this division a lot. Um, I think there's a lot to discuss. Uh, a lot of good things that should transpire, a lot of competition. Um, but however, first we'll start off with the breaking news. There has been quite a few noteworthy uh, topics of discussion to talk about today. And that first one I'm going to start with is Jadavion Clowney. Uh, conflicting reports did come out suggesting that he is uh, nearing a deal with the Tennessee Titans, um, which is absolutely phenomenal if you're a Titans fan. If you're a fantasy football player, manager of a team, uh, this is a defense that you shouldn't have been sleeping on before um, as their rank was pretty low. Um, I was preaching them up uh, uh, quite a bit because I'm in, I'm in big favor of that secondary. But now if you add Clowney to this group, I mean, that just elevates them that much further. Uh, they're going to have a great ground game with Derrick Henry, and then the defense is just going to hopefully, uh, on paper, it looks like it'll be lights out. So that's a big one. Uh, Clowney did come back apparently uh, via social media suggesting that he hadn't make it, made a decision just yet. Um, so that's where the conflicting reports did come from. Um, everyone suggesting who was pr uh, pushing it saying that uh, he would he will sign with the Titans that it would be done by Monday so uh, we still play the waiting game he hasn't put uh, pen to paper just yet um, but yeah I mean if that happens I mean that's a huge signing and and one of the the best left excuse me best left defensive players on the open market as he he was waiting till the start of the season basically anyway um we knew this that was his his uh his mantra going into this offseason that he was going to wait until the very basically the very end of training camp and then and then decide which team he was going to sign with because clearly there's still interest in him i mean and why not uh the only red flags on him has always been injury history um but when he is on the field uh, like one of my colleagues said uh on another podcast that we did he said uh clowny is one of the has been one of the best defensive end uh, players in the NFL against the run. So, I mean, not only can he rush the passer, but he's so good against the run that uh, he's just going to make any defense that much better. When it comes to other news, there was massive money being thrown around today by various clubs, and the big one, of course, came in the form of four years, $160 million going to the Texans' Deshaun Watson. I mean, we knew this was coming. They were working on an extension. Uh, the bar had to be set through Patrick Mahomes. He got his deal, and he's roughly, what, $40 million a year. I believe this deal for Watson is is around 37 if I'm not mistaken, $37 million a year. And then his guarantees, obviously, uh, and his bonus money is going to raise that up even more. But a, but a smoke and heavy deal for Deshaun Watson uh, at this point. I, I can say it's well-deserved. I mean, he's done very well in his time uh, with the Texans. I mean, they they this year is going to be the standard that I want to see set because uh, DeAndre Hopkins is no longer on the club. They've made it more balanced, like I said, on the on the AFC North show, I mean, or South show, excuse me, uh, uh, when I was dissecting the, the Texans. And, I mean, I, I like the offense a lot. I think they're very well-balanced this season. Um David Johnson, Brandon Cooks and company. I mean, you can keep going uh, of how they're trying to recreate 
all that missing target from DeAndre Hopkins, but that's a massive deal for Deshaun Watson. They lock him, Watson, they lock him up to another four years, $160 million. Keeping down the money train, it's a four-year deal, $80 million for the Chargers. Keenan Allen, I mean, this is a good deal. Um, we can't hate on it. Keenan Allen has proven over the last three years that he's gotten over his injury troubles in the past. He's been uber consistent. I mean, nobody can suggest that otherwise. Um, easily in the realm of uh, anywhere 90 receptions to over 100 receptions per season. Uh, this year, like I said in the in the Chargers uh, uh, evaluation, I am a little bit concerned with this offense simply because Tyrod Taylor now is the starting quarterback and is being preached as the week one starter. I mean, good, that's fine. I don't hate on Tyrod, but I just think that they're going to get a lot more out of this receiving core, out of this offense with uh, rookie Justin Herbert moving forward. But obviously he still needs time to groom um, and Tyrod will be your guy. But as for Keenan Allen, four years at $80 million is a handsome payday, but definitely well-deserved. And for my guys, the Buffalo Bills, we just locked up Tredavious White to a four-year, $70 million extension, making him the highest-paid defensive back in the entire NFL, which is crazy. But, I mean, the money aside, I mean, we talk about Trey White all the time. He is legitimately one of the best cornerbacks in the entire league. Um, if you look at his last year's statistics, I mean, it's mind-blowing. He played 599 snaps, and he allowed zero touchdowns to opposing wide receivers that he was covering. So, I mean, he is legit an island of coverage that he can he can lock down whoever he goes up against, and he proved it last year, and, and the Bills rewarded him with a handsome payday. Um, I believe his uh, uh, average AVV is... Uh, just over $17 million. so he just beats out Darius Slay, who went to the Philadelphia Eagles, and I believe he's around the $16.3, million per year. So big money thrown around today, teams locking up their players uh, at the most important time. I mean, you don't want to go into the season with some of these guys uh, frustrated and, and looking for new contracts, and then they're going to potentially jump ship if you don't pay up the dough. So, I mean, that's a good deal for all three of those guys. I think they're great, stellar players, all, all three of them, and, and they're going to do a lot of damage this season. Nevertheless, let's jump into the show, the NFC North. This is a very, very competitive division. I think it's going to be um, anyone's game, literally. Uh, it, 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 when I was going through these rosters, I mean, when you start looking at them on paper, there's so many things to like about each individual roster, um, and it's very difficult to pick a division winner. I'll pick one at the end of the show. Um, I, I kind of have my thoughts on the matter. Um, a lot will come down to health, of course. I mean, uh, whether it be injuries or COVID, it doesn't matter. Health is going to be paramount in which team actually wins this division. Um, but there are there are two clubs in this team in this division that I believe will have the leg up, and and we'll start with one of them. That is the Green Bay Packers. Uh, so Green Bay definitely changed up everything that we know about them since firing Mike McCarthy, hiring Matt LaFleur to take over and and give a different outlook than what we've ever seen um, with Aaron Rodgers and company, right? So um, when, you, when you actually look back at the success that they had, losing out at the end to the, to the 49ers, uh, just missing out, it was... The complete changeover that was Mike McCarthy's system to Matt LaFleur uh, in that they became more balanced and more run heavy. 
Um, that was the difference. That was the big change. I mean, we everyone's suggesting that Aaron Rodgers had the down year. Um, he's losing a step. It's not the same Rodgers that we've seen in the past. I don't buy it. I mean, Aaron Rodgers didn't show that he was uh, worse for wear last season. It was just the way that the offense was actually predicated upon the system. And and this is the first time that we've seen this with Aaron Rodgers because Rodgers has been that gunslinger. He's have he's having or. He's actually have had uh, the ability to continue the way he wants to play with the blessings of McCarthy. Um, but I think Matt LaFleur brought him in to be more uh, uh, part of the, the dynamics and the offense that he wants to run. And we saw that. I mean, Aaron Jones had a very good year last year. Uh, what did he have, like 16, 17 touchdowns? So, I mean, you can tell where the offense was going. I mean, LaFleur comes from Tennessee. He was run heavy before. He brought that same mentality to this Green Bay club. So when we dive into this roster, and we'll start there, I mean, I just basically covered Aaron Rodgers. I don't think he's washed by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, the arm strength was still there. I mean, everyone's going to lose a step as they continue to age. But uh, when it came to arm strength, I mean, he could still fit the ball where he wanted to. He's still able to get out of the pocket with ease. Um, uh, I, I didn't see any big troubles from Aaron Rodgers' game whatsoever last season. And I think going into year two with LaFleur, I think this will actually make it that much more uh, interesting and that much better uh, for offensive productivity, especially in the past game. So we'll see how that one shakes out, but I really still am a believer in Aaron Rodgers. I think he's going to do more than enough to keep this team uh, at the top of this division, and it's going to come through him for sure. No questions about it. When it comes to the running back position, we still have Aaron Jones, like we mentioned. He had a great year last year, and it was the the massive change in which the the Matt LaFleur used the running back position over Mike McCarthy. And it was both in the running game and in the pass game. So this is the encouraging signs for Aaron Jones that he is again going to be that stellar player. But I want to take a little bit of a step back when we talk about fantasy football. I still like Aaron Jones. I always did. It was just the the problem is for me in why I devalue his, his, uh, his ability is simply because uh, it was because of the usage, and then it was also because of his injury history. I mean, he was he he didn't show to be durable enough to be that full time three down back. And I mean, I think Matt Lafleur kind of sees that as well because that's why they drafted this rookie uh, Dynamo AJ Dillon. This guy's built like a Mack truck. If you don't know much about AJ Dillon, go look at his work from Boston College. He's six foot, two hundred forty seven pounds. I mean, this guy is a behemoth at the running back position. So it clearly says to me that this was a, a an area that Matt LaFleur was not comfortable with going into um, this season without a guy like A.J. Dillon. To have that goal line pounder back, to have the short yardage back that can just bowl people over. I mean, he's literally built like, uh, like Derrick Henry was. I mean, he's a very large human being. Um, so I, I like the combination of the two. I think that if Jones actually, I, I still think this backfield is Jones is uh, to have no question about it. Um, but, but when you have Dylan in there spelling him, we could see him potentially, depending on how things go, he could easily get a hundred carries, uh, plus in this offense, uh, depending on how, it, and I don't see LaFleur changing. I really don't. I think, I think he's going to continue down the path of that balanced offense, set up the play action pass and, and kill him that way. I, I, I truly do believe it. And with, uh, AJ Dillon in there, I mean, this is why on fantasy football, I'm kind of, 
kind of shying away from Aaron Jones simply because of where his ADP is at. I mean, uh, that is the biggest fear factor for me. Um, if he drops to me in the late second round, sure, I'm scooping up Aaron Jones and I'm not thinking twice or, or in the third round. I mean, that's just gold value. But after that, I mean, I can't do it any higher. Um, when it comes to this receiving core, this is the concern. You have Devontae Adams, who has proven to be extremely reliable. He has been uh, proven to be a touchdown machine. And I mean, nobody can argue the ability that he has. But here comes the problem once again. If he falls victim to another ailment like he did last season, who is Aaron Rodgers going to trust at that point? Because we saw it shake out last year. I mean, yes, you still have other guys on this roster. You have decent depth, but you really have... Uh, it is unproven talent. I mean, okay, for my money, Marquez Valdez-Scandling is probably your most seasoned wide receiver with Aaron Rodgers for chemistry building, chemistry basis. I think those two had the best connection. I mean, it definitely fell off last year. We saw the drops. We saw the inadequacy. It was not there. So this season, they're pumping up Alan Lazard. Alan Lazard, I am still on the fence. I mean, I see a lot of people on Twitter pumping up Lazard like he is going to be the next best thing since sliced bread. I am still definitely on the fence. I don't know if I can fully agree with this at this point. Fantasy football-wise for Lazard, yes, his ADP is extremely low, so it's a low-risk, low-rent deal that you're going to try to get the best return on investment, so I don't hate it from that perspective. But, I mean, if you're talking about him becoming the true number two wide receiver on this offense, and, and, and I mean, my my standard is the Jordy Nelson, Devontae Adams type of deal. You know, the, the, the Jordy Nelson, Randall Cobb. I mean, that was your supportive pieces for this offense to be extremely solid in the past game. Um, so, I mean, for, for my appetite, I am not a huge Lazard fan. Um, we'll see how it does shake out as well. They still have St. Brown. He's got a lot of talent. I think he still has a role in this offense. Jake Kumaro still made the team. And then you got the CFL legend Reggie Bagleton. He came over, and now he's still on the depth chart. I believe he made the team as cutdown day was today. So we did see a lot of clubs uh, uh, trimming their rosters. But, I mean, there's depth on this wide receiving court, no question. But there isn't a lot of over-the-top talent that we can get excited about and say that it will take the Green Bay Packers pass game to that level that we have been accustomed to for so long. Um, so, I mean, from that perspective. And then when you talk about the offensive line, this is where uh, this team scares me a lot. I mean, they still have problems on this O-line. They got rid of their left tackle uh, this offseason due to his injury concerns. He latched on with another club. I mean, his name is evading me right now. Uh, Brian Balaga, there it is. Um, he latched on with another club. He is no longer on the Packers. I mean, you still have David Bakhtiari. He is the left tackle. And, I mean, eh, Billy Turner and then Rich Wagner. Uh, Ricky Wagner, excuse me, from Detroit. He is for the right tackle as well. So they may go back and forth. Wagner might even, or Billy uh, Turner might flip into B-guard. We'll see how that shakes down. But, I mean, for this offensive line, I am still nervous. I mean... I don't think I, I continue to believe that they keep neglecting this offensive line. And this is the problem when you have such a talented passer. We saw it with Andrew Luck. I mean, that's why he retired. Um, he was just continuously getting punishment and, and they
they wouldn't give him the offensive line that he required. So is this as bad as those days that Luck had? No, I can say that they're a lot better than the line that that Luck had endured with. But, I mean, still, again, this is still a big problem on this club. I think it is their greatest weakness on this club outside of the tight end position, who now is Mercedes Lewis, um, as pegged as the starter. But you do have this youngster, Jace Sternberger, who a lot of people are talking up. Um, He has been dealing with injuries, hasn't had a good camp uh, from what I hear. Um, So, I mean, he is still a dart throw. He's still a work in progress. Could he show out? Absolutely. He's got talent. Um, But Sternberger is the guy that we're trying to see him elevate to the next level. But at this point, Mercedes Lewis is going to be the guy and I don't hate Mercedes Lewis simply from the standpoint because he is a great blocker and he's always been reliable in the pass game so uh, when you're talking about why the Packers allowed Jimmy Graham to leave town it was because Mercedes Lewis is a cheaper version of the same thing I mean uh, yes Mercedes Lewis was never Jimmy Graham in his prime but if we're talking at uh, what they are today I mean you're basically getting the same bang for your buck at that position and and that's why they're going Mercedes Lewis when it comes to the defensive side of the ball this is where I get extremely excited about the Green Bay Packers oh my goodness I have been talking up this defense going all the way back to last offseason I love this unit, especially the secondary. I'll start there. This secondary for me, if I was building an NFL club as a GM, this is exactly how I would build it because they're just loaded with talent and ability. We'll start with Jari Alexander on the defensive uh, defensive back side. You follow that up with Kevin King, and then you got Josh Jackson sitting in the wings uh, being able to rotate or play the nickel position as well. I love these three gentlemen. I think that they play the game the way you want a defensive back to play. They all got speed. They all got toughness. And and they just grind. I mean, when you watch them on film, Alexander has turned into one of the better defensive backs in this league. I still want to see some refinement overall, but they are young and they are learning. And when you start looking and teaming them up with the safeties they have, when you have Darnell Savage Jr., he turned into a player at the strong safety position. He made me take notice more than once last season. And the genius move uh, the season prior of bringing Adrian Amos over from the Chicago Bears. I mean, that was just genius uh, by the, the Green Bay general manager. Fantastic secondary this club has. And then when you top that off with Preston William, or Preston Smith and Zadarius Smith, the Smith brothers not related. These guys are ballers, man. They they put it together last year. They were relentless in rushing the quarterback, and I think that's going to be the staple once again. Where I get even more excited is the fact that the the uh, the Packers went shopping this offseason again. They don't typically spend a lot of dollars on the open market, but they went shopping and they snagged Christian Kirksey from the Cleveland Browns to play their inside linebacker position. This was genius. I, as selfishly as a Bills fan, I was hoping Buffalo was going to bring in Kirksey when I saw the rumors, but he ended up going to the Packers, and this is just a brilliant move. Um, Kirksey is very underrated. I mean, we uh, people are devaluing him simply because of his lost season last year. He, he I believe he spent a majority of it on uh, the injured reserve, but Kirksey is one of these guys that he is a staple in the middle, especially when you have two primary edge rushers coming from the linebacker position in the Smith Brothers. This is just going to be fantastic for run defense, run stuffing. It's going to be unbelievable. This adds another dynamic of power to this unit, and I think you're going to see it from day one. The Green Bay Packers defense should be one to uh, make a lot of waves. 
perhaps the weakness that I do see is on the defensive front. Yes, they do play a 3-4, so I mean, there's not a whole heck of a lot to get concerned about as long as your guys can do some damage. Of course, they got Kenny Clark. They re-upped him to that big money deal. He got a monster signing, and he is the guy that runs the whole line in the front. He is their quote-unquote nose tackle. He's going to be their run stuffer. He's going to be the one creating pressure and, and taking those double teams. I mean, this is what makes the Smith brothers able to have those free lanes open up and then they go attack the quarterback. So, I mean, he does a lot of damage. And then you have this youngster, Tyler Lancaster. He showed me very well last year as well. I'm excited about him. He's a young guy. I believe he's 22 or 23 years old, and he will get his chance um, to still continue to improve. So, I mean, for depth purposes, I mean, this roster has some decent depth. I don't hate it. But from the starting perspective on the defensive side, especially I am over the moon excited because I think they're just going to do a lot of good stuff. Going to their division rivals, the Detroit Lions. And why the Lions next? Because I think that they will have a mammoth resurrection of sorts this season even though they did pick i believe in the top five this year it was number third number three pick overall i believe um uh so i this in this past year's draft but th- there was there was reasons for that i mean matthew stafford went down with his injury he lost his season and then everything kind of derailed after that so um when we start talking about the detroit lions matt patricia former bill belichick disciple still the head coach i believe this is his third year if i'm not mistaken under under the detroit lions watch and i think he figured stuff out last year you could see the team was playing a lot different you have a new offensive coordinator that was brought in last year i mean it wasn't this year daryl bevel he came in 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 the 2019 season and that was a stroke of genius also because he allowed matthew stafford to become and do what he does well um the previous uh, jim bob cooter i believe was the previous oc and i mean he locked down this offense and you could tell matthew stafford was extremely frustrated from week to week that things just weren't going well so diving right in we will talk about matthew stafford this is a big year for him I mean, he is coming off that injury. He lost, I believe, eight games. Um, He was on the IR. And I'm curious to see if he comes back fully healthy. I mean, uh, injuries have been a concern of late. But, I mean, when you look at the camp film so far, he looks good. I mean, he's, he's flinging the ball out there. He's slinging it deep. And, and he doesn't look any worse for wear. So I'm I'm. I'm really excited to see what Matthew Stafford could do in year two with Daryl Bevel. I really, truly like this offense and the way it's put together, especially with the wide receiving core. So Kenny Galladay, I I was excited about Kenny Galladay. I did some work on him, and then when uh, Chad Ochocinco, Chad Johnson, he gave the endorsement in his in his rookie season and and he suggested that Kenny Galladay was gonna be a baller I went back and I had to dissect the tape even more after he said that because I mean when Chad Johnson talks I'll listen he was one of the best wide receivers in the NFL so I mean when you when you give an endorsement like that I went back and I watched his tape even more I really wanted to see it last year to see if he could separate himself from being just that above average almost great talent to that next uh, step in becoming near a superstar, and that's what Galladay did. I, I, I truly, truly see it. I think he's got all the intangibles, all the skills to make it happen. The biggest problem Kenny Galladay has is the missed and drop passes. His catch rate was under sixty percent, which is a concern. And I mean, throughout his first three years in the NFL, he averages a career fifty-seven point six percent catch rate. 
this is the problem. This is where he needs to improve his game. But with that said, I mean, last season we did see 116 targets go for 65 receptions, 1,190 yards, and he scored 11 times. When you're catching the ball only at a freaking 56% rate and you put up those numbers, I'm excited. I think if that can even increase 10%, you're going to see Kenny Galladay flirt with being in the top three in the NFL in fantasy football when it comes to points scored. There's no questions. He needs to improve that catch rate. If he does that, it's going to be glory all day long. I love it. I love what Kenny Galladay brings to the field. He is he is growing. I mean, he was he was a work in progress, but I mean, he's shown me more than enough that he is going to take his game to the next level. Another year with Matthew Stafford, another year in this offensive system. I think that you're going to see a massive explosion from Kenny Galladay in 2020 for his uh, counterparts on this uh, offense we still have Marvin Jones we still have Danny Amendola and I'm still excited about these guys they bring it together I mean Marvin Jones is your perfect complement 1b um, that you need I mean he puts up the game so last year we did see how many times like uh, Marvin Jones would blow up for a huge game he's a big touchdown guy so he caught what I think three touchdowns in one contest Galladay was kind of silent and then Galladay goes off the next week so it's very it's a very good dynamic for this offense to see that both of them can carry the club when called upon I mean that's that simple as that Marvin Jones is still one of those under the radar very sound talents that is a great secondary option and will always pull coverage to his side as for Danny Amendola I still don't dislike him I mean he does everything that you need him to do he he's that PPR machine he goes over the slot, over the middle. He took the Golden Tate role when Golden left. And, I mean, he, yeah, his numbers definitely aren't spectacular, but, I mean, he definitely is doing enough to keep this offense moving when called upon. TJ Hawkinson, the tight end on this club. This guy I'm really excited about. I want to see him progress. We, we did get a little overexcited last season I think is the best way to put it because he had that huge blow up in in week one and then we basically never heard from him again um, especially in the fantasy community we were so frustrated that the the overall talents were not utilized he dealt with injuries he continues to deal with that I believe it was his ankle I'd have to double check but uh, he continues to deal with that right now we saw it in camp that he is having problems and he is he potentially a question mark for week one um, so I'm still excited. I hope that he can find his way because he is the full the full package. He can block. He's a good runner. He's a great route runner, and he can he can catch basically anything that comes his way. So if if he can get back on the field with this trio of wide receivers, I think you have something very very strong working in the pass game for the Detroit Lions. When it comes to the running back position, I finally believe they got this one right, and no big deal for carry on Johnson I don't want to sit there and tell you I dislike his ability because he's still a young guy he's still learning the the NFL game and he could definitely come out this season and show everybody that he is the talent everyone thought he could be I just never was the biggest fan and supporter of carry on Johnson and now this season in the draft the Detroit Lions snagged DeAndre Swift from Georgia I love this kid when I dove into his tape oh I was literally flabbergasted at how good his overall game was. 
Was he my top back? I think I, he was my number two. I think I still had Jonathan Taylor as my top uh, rookie, but DeAndre Swift was right there, neck and neck. So when I broke down his tape, his accelerate, he's acceleration over speed, but he has good burst. I mean, he doesn't have the top end speed. You're looking in a three down back, but I mean, the burst is there all on the tape, on the film. His elite change of direction, he's extremely shifty, and that's what I, I loved about his game. He cuts with these very fluid, very fluid runner. He can he can make people miss. His vision is great. He's got a great spin move. His patience is what separates him from the pack because he kind of does have that Le'Veon Bell patience where he's kind of looking for the hole, and then he just hammers through the line and he makes it happen. He can get to the edge easily. He's a very good receiver. His strength is not a so that's kind of where the concern lies in my eyes. Um, but his pass pro is average as well. So, I mean, as long as he can get the pass protection to be at least adequate above average, I think he will he will have a very strong role in this offense. He is going to be eventually the lead back. I think he will take over, um, and this is my opinion, I mean, I think he will take over the lead role. I think there will be a tandem approach when Carrion, and if Carrion Johnson can continue to elevate his game, but again, injuries have been his problem. I mean, this is the common theme, the common thread for a lot of these players that we discuss. Injuries. If you can't stay on the field, you're going to lose your job. And you can tell that the Detroit Lions uh, uh, coaching staff, the the brain trust, they're, they're getting frustrated. They want, they want a true three-down back. And, I mean, the Barry Sanders curse continues to hamper them. As for the offensive line, I would have liked to have seen them add a little bit more as well. They're a team that continues to have – uh, offensive line troubles they can't seem to figure it out also and this is one thing I still can't understand you have a quarterback like Matthew Stafford just like we're talking about the Packers you have a guy like Aaron Rodgers and you just can't get an, enough guys to protect him consistently where he's not running for his life where he's not getting injured himself because he's getting hit all the time um, but hopefully when you have DeAndre Swift hopefully that alleviates a lot of the pressure because now teams will know that you're a multi-dimensional force the defensive side of the ball, I mean, they did, they made some improvements. I'm not overly ecstatic, but, I mean, they, they made some improvements. Jamie Collins coming over from the New England Patriots was a big one, I think. He's got the camaraderie with Matt Patricia, former defensive uh, coordinator for the Patriots. So, I mean, that was a good signing. He teams up with Jared Davis at the linebacker position. You still have uh, Christian Jones, from uh, who was formerly of the Chicago Bears. I think that's a great signing. Um, so, I mean... Your linebacking core could be considered your strength of this team. I think I think that's where I'm going in my opinion. Jamie Collins will allow you to do a lot a lot more things defensively, schematically. I think that that's going to help you a lot as well. My concern definitely is on this defensive front. I mean, this defensive front four, you really couldn't get to the quarterback whatsoever last season, and that is a major concern, especially when you don't have the players in the secondary to lock you down to get those coverage sacks. I mean, that's where the Patriots uh, mentality always goes. If you play good defense in the secondary, lock down the wide receivers, coverage sacks are going to come in bunches. 
Um, the Detroit Lions just don't have the pieces, in my opinion, at this point that are going to take him over the top. You still have Trey Flowers. He is another former Patriot player. He was signed in free agency a couple seasons ago. He's still your anchor. He's your big man. And then outside of that, you have a lot of depth pieces um, that I wouldn't consider to be starting material. Um, they're, they're, they're patch made put together. And I think that's going to be a major issue for this defense. I mean, Deshaun hand still is there. I like him a lot. I think he's going to do, uh, good things, but I mean, we'll see how he pans out. He isn't pegged at the, as a starter at this point just yet. When it comes to this defensive secondary, I mean, they did lose some players. They lost Darius Slay. He went to the Philadelphia Eagles, and that looked to be uh, like a major concern for this secondary. But they did replace that with a couple good, talented players. So first and foremost, off the open market, they signed Desmond Trufant, formerly of the Atlanta Falcons. I mean, this is a good sign. Desmond Trufant has always been consistent enough to, to showcase that he is a good, talented defensive uh, back. He has also dealt with injuries, and I think the, the price tag was too high and too rich for the Falcons to keep on seeing him in the medical room and continue to pay him. But I think it's a good um, signing simply because you needed the support. You needed to help and improve this secondary. And then when we start talking about improvements, let's go to the draft of the rookie, Jeff Akuda from Ohio State. I mean, when you look at this guy's film, this is why they didn't pay Darius Slate. Okay, he's six foot one, he's 205 pounds, he's only 21 years old, and he's just going to continue to get better. When you see what he was able to do in college, you will understand what I mean. You will see it from week one. You will see him get burned a couple times because the NFL is a different animal, but he will learn very fast. His self-awareness is very high. I think his ability is that much better. Um, I, I really like him a lot coming out of this draft class. I think he's going to do wonders for it. And I, there's no question in my mind he's going to take the lead role come week one. You also have Justin Coleman playing the nickel. I still like this kid. I mean, yes, he did have problems last season um, in certain contests where he was – uh, used and abused. I mean, this is this is the only way you can say it. But I mean, I'm still not throwing in the towel on 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 Coleman. I think he's got a lot of ability. He's gonna do well with Akuda and with Trufant. I think this is a different dynamic. This defense really needed. I think Matt Patricia does go to the form of the Bill Belichick way, where you need that secondary. You need to have good linebackers, and then your defensive front can be patch made solutions, and you're gonna get those coverage sacks. I think that's exactly how Bill. Belichick ran his his organization for the most part when he didn't have the muscle up front and and this is the same uh, same type of formula set up for the Detroit Lions this season but I do believe that they will do a lot of good work this year and and they will challenge for this division also going to the Minnesota Vikings now I mean here we go again I'm talking about this division and they are literally loaded with four talented teams that will be pushing every single week especially in the rival games and Minnesota's one of them so if we start talking about a team like Minnesota who has been challenging to be uh, the next Super Bowl contender, I think they take a massive hit this season simply on the defensive side. It's only because how many players in that secondary they lost. I think it's going to be very difficult for them to cover anybody i mean i mean i know that sounds that sounds rough you still have harrison smith you still have uh mike hughes 
Um, but I mean, outside of that, you're going to be playing with really young talent um, that they that they're going to be expecting a lot from. But we'll start. We'll jump with uh, to the offensive side first, and we'll start off with Kirk Cousins. So. The knock on Kirk Cousins has always been that he isn't clutch. He's not a clutch performer. He can't get it done at the most important time. And, I mean, he has shown this again in Minnesota for the years he has been there. So do I believe in Kirk Cousins? Do I believe he's going to be able to take the next step? Uh, I, I question it now. I was a big supporter of him. I think that he has good ability. He's good for the offense. I mean, we've seen what numbers he can put up. He did it in Washington. He did it here in Minnesota. So it's not that he isn't talented. He he removed a lot of his inadequacy in his game where he was throwing more interceptions than he should have um, because he's taken too many chances. We saw him clean that up a lot last year. But with that, we saw the touchdown regression come. So, I mean, if you're making him play safer, you're going to see his stats regress. And, I mean, that was a clear design for this offense for him to not – give the ball away um, for play for players like uh, Kirk Cousins I mean I think you have to let him play it's the Brett Favre effect you know Brett Favre was going to throw those interceptions but you know he was going to keep your team in the games um, so that bodes to the question for me does the coaching staff also not believe in Kirk Cousins in crunch time to the reason why they they asked him to play a little bit more conservative so we'll see what Kirk Cousins does this year I don't dislike him I still think he's got a lot of ability, a lot left in the tank, and I think he will continue to make this team uh, very competitive. When it comes to the running back position, we have Dalvin Cook, we have Alexander Madison. I mean, this is a a, a, a potential one-two punch, but I still think, and, I, and there's no question about it, I mean, this is Dalvin Cook's backfield to lose. Um, Injury-wise, of course, he has again failed us in fantasy football. Last year, he got hurt at the worst possible time during the fantasy postseason, killed me in a couple leagues and I was very frustrated but I was very supportive of Dalvin Cook uh, in in last offseason talking him up in training camp I, I believe that we saw the real true Dalvin Cook what he could do um, when he is fully healthy I mean he was running all over defenses and that's kind of what altered the the Minnesota offensive outlook so is, is it possible that we do see that scale back just a little bit this season to keep him healthy under Gary Kubiak? I mean, it was basically – it was Kevin Stefanski who was running the offensive – uh, he was the offensive coordinator, excuse me, last offseason. Now he's with the Browns um, as the head coach. But, I mean, Kevin uh, – or Gary Kubiak is the virtually the same type of offensive mind, and, and, and they will continue to feed the rock. Um, uh, but under – under Kubiak, I think we could see uh, Kirk Cousins take that next step and become that much better. As for this receiving core, we all know the big trade that went down. Stefan Diggs got traded to the Buffalo Bills and uh, for draft pick compensation. So now this offense now looks like Adam Thielen and rookie Justin Jefferson, which I don't dislike. I mean, they did uh, sign TJ Sharp. They still have Ole Johnson or Obi Olia Johnson, um, and, and, I mean, Chad Beebe's still there. You still have some talented wide receivers. I'm still a Chad Beebe guy. I think if he can get on there, I think uh, uh, he's going to still be able to do some damage as well. He's a good slot guy. But when it comes to Justin Jefferson, this guy I did a lot of work on. Um, LSU players, it's very hard to promote without saying that that offense was so good. Um, but Justin Jefferson, in my eyes, when you saw what he could do, and when I broke down his film, he has great size. He's faster than expected. So on 
game film he doesn't look like he's that fast and then when he got the the 40 time it did it did show that he was a lot faster his route tree is above average i know a lot of player or a lot of analysts have been suggesting that he can't separate and that's his biggest problem he will never separate I didn't see a whole heck of a lot of that. I think his route running is good enough that he can actually create that type of separation from his his route running. It's just about him understanding which way to move when he gets off that line, and that's very coachable. So when it comes to route running, I like his route tree a lot. He's great in the slot. I think that's where he should play, but he is also good outside. Um Adam Thielen has been proven to be the slot guy a lot. So we'll see how this dynamic goes on this on this offense. But I mean, Justin Jefferson, you can you can move him around on the line. He's got great hands. He high points the ball very, very well. He oh he's always in great position. This is what I noticed playing with Joe Burrow and LSU. Wherever he needed that tight throw to go to, Jefferson was always there and he always made the plays. This is what's exciting to me about a player like this because he's reliable. You can count on him, and I think we're going to see a whole heck of a lot of that. He's a true playmaker. He's very consistent, and in my eyes, he is an elite prospect. Will it pan out? We'll see, but my comp for him was Victor Cruz. I think they share a lot of traits, very similar. Um, and, and I know it's high praise, and a lot of people may scoff at that, but I see a lot of Victor Cruz, uh, a lot of Victor Cruz and Justin Jefferson, that's for sure. Um, so, I mean, the offensive line, we can't hate it. I think they, 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 they battled a lot, and I think they're, they're still improving. I mean, adding uh, Garrett Bradbury in last year's draft, I think, was a stroke of genius. Um, um, so, I mean, Riley, uh, Riley Reef, um, he signed a new deal. Uh, I believe it was an extension or it was a rework. I can't remember, but they locked him up even more. So, I mean, I, I like this offensive line. They do more than enough in the run game to let Dalvin Cook run free. And, I mean, Kirk Cousins... I, I'd have to check the stats, but I think that he saw probably one of his better seasons where he didn't hit the turf as much as he did. When it comes to tight end position, this is a very interesting uh, scenario as well. You have Kyle Rudolph and you have Irv Smith Jr. So I have said this more than once on Twitter. I've been very vocal about this. I think that Kyle Rudolph is being slept on, especially in fantasy football. Um, only because of value, value purposes. I think I still believe he has good value, and and with Diggs no longer on the roster, if Jefferson does struggle a little bit, I think we could see a lot of dual tight end sets on this offense. And and there's reason to that madness because if you put dual tight end sets more often than not, it not only helps your run game because that's assisting your offensive line, but you know both tight ends can catch. Irv Smith could definitely break out this year and become that wide receiver threat while Kyle Rudolph stays on the line to block. But subsequently, you could see Rudolph being the forgotten man if Smith does take and gain traction, and then Rudolph becomes that uh, major key playmaker in the red zone, and he's he could potentially score anywhere from 8 to 10 touchdowns this year. I mean, it's not unfathomable based on how this offense is constructed today. You don't have that massive deep threat. I mean, that's what Diggs provided you on this club, so... Dalvin Cook didn't see as many stacked boxes. I think the safeties will be able to creep up a little bit more because we know Thielen isn't going to burn you one one for one. He's not going to do that. Uh, Justin Jefferson, we'll see if he can turn into that field stretcher. Uh, I, I still question that. I think he can do it at times, but he, he, he likely won't do it as well as uh, Diggs did. So, I mean, offensively, 
You can't dislike this team. I still think they're going to be very competitive, but it's all going to be on the back of Kirk Cousins in hopes that he can actually find excuse me, some clutch appeal and, and, and take this team over the top in the most important times. When it comes to the defensive side of the ball, this is, like I said, the issue. They lost a lot of key players on the secondary. I watched the press conference from the head coach, uh, Mike Zimmer, and and he didn't look like he was overly enthusiastic about his secondary. He kind of said, you know, I like them. They're they're battling. They're doing well. Uh, we feel very comfortable in going into this season. That's kind of how he was talking. I didn't really buy it. I thought it was coach speak more than anything because he knows this is going to be a problem this year. So I'll start with the secondary. I mean, Mike Hughes did show very well. Did he show as much as I thought he was going to be? No, and and that's kind of a concern for me. I thought he was going to be a lot better than that. But hey, I mean, it's a new season. Perhaps he does take the next leap, being the number one guy. I think I think that could definitely happen as well. Harrison Smith, no question about it. He is one of the best safeties in the entire NFL, and he's going to have to do a lot this year. Um, I actually feel bad for the man. He is going to be leaned upon to do everything. Um, yes, he does have a good tandem teammate partner at the safety position in Anthony Harris at the free safety spot. So, I mean, they're definitely going to be a club that is relying on the on the center fieldman to do their job uh, to and to do it very well because, I mean, you have the rookie, Jeff Glandy. He, I liked him too. I mean, he, was, uh, he wasn't ranked, I believe, in my first round, but, I mean, I liked him a lot. I think he's got a lot of length. He's got a lot of speed. He's got size. I mean, I, I, I like him. He's got, he's got strength. I, I think he can do very well. He played at TCU. Um, he's what was he first team all big 12 in 2019 so i mean he does have it he played press and off he plays zone he plays man to man so i mean he does do things very well um but i think maybe he's still a little bit raw so um if he gets into in-game action i think that's the best way to train a guy like this because his natural talent and ability will come into play more often than not and then he can learn the intricacies of the nfl game when it comes to you other backs uh, defensive backs you got uh, Holton Hill, excuse me, and you got Cameron, the rookie Cameron Datlizer. I'm not a Holton Hill guy. I'm not a Datlizer guy either. I think that was kind of a miss in the draft. People like him. I really don't. I think it's going to uh, uh, be a big problem for this secondary. I think it's going to leave a lot to be desired, and I think they're going to be forced to play Jeff Glandy uh, ahead of both of them at, at majority of the time. So, I mean, I am concerned, but you do have a stellar front seven still. I mean, this is where this team is, again, going to be very strong. You have Hunter. You have Johnson. You just traded for Yannick and Gakwe. I think that's a great one. Shamir Stefan is is coming up. And, I mean, yes, you did lose Everson Griffin. I get it. But, I mean, trading for Ngakwe at this point I think was a stroke of genius. You knew you had inadequacy on this defensive front. Now, Hunter was your main guy. I mean, and, and without any support, I mean, you knew he was going to see the double team all season long. You would have struggled to create pressure. Getting Ngakwe for the price they gave up to get him in draft pick compensation was a stroke of genius. I mean, they redid his contract to make it fit for the team, and, and this actually improves your front seven that much more. With your linebackers, I mean, they're just steady. Anthony Barr and Eric Hendricks are two of my favorites. I think they will continue to do damage. 
Eric Wilson, I'm not a huge fan of. I thought they would have upgraded at the position, um, but they had so many holes this offseason. They had so much cap trouble. I mean, that Kirk Cousins contract continues to become a problem, um, so they had to go and find ways to, to get rid of a lot of salary, and a lot of that was in uh, the form of getting rid of their defensive back crew that they have had for the last several years. So, I mean, Minnesota's still involved in this. I, I'm not counting them out. I think they could see a rough season um, defensively if they don't clean up their back defensive backfield. I think that's going to be the biggest pain point. Um, and then understanding how rookie Justin Jefferson is going to play in to this offense if he can be as good as Stefan Diggs was or better. I mean, then, then okay, then the story will be wrote. But, I mean, it's going to be difficult for them to compete with, uh, especially with Green Bay, who's looking like a, a leader, and then with Detroit, who's on the up and up. So the last team in this division, the Chicago Bears. How can we forget about the Bears? I mean, they're a few seasons removed from being a dominating force defensively. Um, they did take kind of a nap last season. They weren't as good. Um, but, I mean, offensively was the problem. We knew this. We saw this. We've talked about this ad nauseum on other shows. Uh, we've we've broke it down. Mitchell Trubisky has been named the week one starter, even though they got Nick Foles waiting in the wings, got him from Jacksonville in an offseason trade. So, again, I'll start at the quarterback position simply because – have we seen enough of Mitchell Trubisky? I think we may have. Um, I understand Coach Nagy trying to give um, the respect to his uh, to the the player they drafted to be the franchise quarterback. I think that is where he's going. Um, he wants to give it one more shot. I think the upper management wants to give it one more shot, especially for where they drafted him. Um, this is this could be come down as one of the biggest draft busts uh, for the quarterback position in in history of the NFL. I mean, if he can't improve. And, and the problem with Trubisky is, is that he is a mobile guy. I mean, we've seen it, but the constant continues to remain as – Coach Nagy is required to have roll, have him roll out to the right for him to make any sort of play. Nagy wants him to be that pocket guy. He wants him to dissect the field, go left, go right. But from the pocket, he truly struggles to go left, and that is a huge problem. I mean, it, it's it's all over his NFL film. I've gone back and I saw it on primetime games more often than not. He just couldn't make those passes. Did he hit uh, Allen Robinson deep on the left a few times? Sure he did. I mean, anybody can hit him once or twice. But the consistency is where the problem lies in Trubisky going left from the pocket. The continuing having to roll him to the right to find his receivers, to find the open men, is where Coach Nagy is getting frustrated. And we saw it last season. But, I mean, when it comes to Nagy being that guy, I think he is making, uh, uh, doing a grave disservice to this offense because he is trying to make them do what he wants them to do rather than uh, altering his offensive approach uh, uh, to make the team better all around. I mean, this is why Bill Belichick has been in New England for how God knows how 20-plus years because he continues to change. He continues to alter the approach of what players he does have, and then he changes the game and, and the game plans and the systems in which they run. Uh, Coach Nagy, I think that was a big mistake for him last year. I'm very curious to see if he's going to alter that approach to, to kind of allow the offense to be morphed into what Trubisky does as good as he does, and then maybe we see this offense move forward. So, I mean, for the running back position, 
I mean, we still have David Montgomery. Unfortunately, we did witness him go down with that injury. He slipped on the grass a couple weeks ago, um, and he he tore his groin or pulled his groin. I believe it was a grade two sprain. Um, so he is out for two to four weeks, likely to miss the first two to two to three weeks of the season. Um, I, I I would think that he would be back for week three, but that's a big loss right out the gates. You lose your 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 potential bell cow. Everyone was excited about this rookie going into last season, um, and he didn't. He tried. I mean, he played well. He got the volume, but again, this offensive line is terrible. So Tariq Cohen will be your guy along with Cordero Patterson. Ryan Nall might get into the mix. So we'll see how that goes. I mean, they're going to have to do a massive rotation of runners to try and get uh, any kind of substance on the ground. But right out the gates, they have a problem. So when it comes to the offensive line, I'm not even going to go through the names because I'm sorry, but they're that terrible. Uh, Mitchell Trubisky continuously ran for his life. Um, they couldn't open up holes for Montgomery. He had to do so much himself, and this continues to be the problem. Um, you're not building the offensive line needed to make you at least good in one aspect of your of your scheme. This will continue to be a problem, and this is why I kind of believe that the Bears will fall once again to being one of the worst if not uh, uh, the worst, they'll be the likely the worst in this division because uh, of how their offense is run. Um, when it comes to the wide receiver position, you still have Allen Robinson. I'm still all in on this guy. He proved to me again. So he did it in Jacksonville with Blake Bortles. He proved it with uh, uh, Mitchell Trubisky that he could still be that true number one talent, number one wide receiver to count on. And, and he proved it again. I, I think he's a stellar talent. If, if perhaps they get a quarterback that can consistently move the ball down the field, you, you could see him flirting with 1,350 yards year in, year out. I think he's that talented and that good. They brought in Ted Ginn to give him more speed. They still have Anthony Miller. I'm still on the fence with Miller. I think he's got skills, um, but I want to see it uh, on the long run. And again, I think the quarterback position does bring his value down because he just can't feed everybody on the field. You have Riley Ridley. He is the tall target. I, I foresee him getting in some more action. And then you have the tight end position with rookie Cole Kemp. Uh, Kemet, he comes from Penn State, if I'm not mistaken, um, or Notre Dame, excuse me, he comes from Notre Dame. He's he's an exciting talent, and then you have Jimmy Graham. So I mean, you have pieces on this offense. You do. I I don't dislike them to the point where I want to say they're going to be terrible. They will battle. But it's all going to rest on Trubisky's shoulders. He's going to be on a very short leash. Nick Foles is going to be waiting in the wings again, just like he did in Philadelphia, just like he's done basically his entire career. Am I a Nick Foles truther? No. I, I don't think he's going to be the answer to what to their prayers. But, I mean, I think he's serviceable. I think under the right system he can do a lot of good things, as seen winning the Super Bowl with the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, but I, I really do believe that Trubisky is going to be very quickly uh, relegated to the bench uh, based on poor play this season. So Bears fans, you might be in for a very tough year on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, they're still they still got loaded talent 
basically everywhere. They took a little bit of a hit in the secondary. Uh, we'll start there. They still have Eddie Jackson. He is a monster. Kyle Fuller still there, and I mean, you know, he can he can get things done. Jalen Johnson was a rookie replacement this year. Uh, they still have some depth. They have Buster Screen. I'm kind of up and down on him. He plays he plays good. He plays bad. I mean, if Buster Screen can actually show out well, he should win that second role. But we'll see what Jalen Johnson does. I know the Bears are excited about him. When it comes to the defensive front, the defensive front seven, I still like him. I mean, who? how can you not? You still got Khalil Mack. That's where it starts and stops. He is the bread and butter. He is the main guy on the front seven. They still play a 3-4. You got Akeem Hicks. He's still a baller, and he creates a lot of the, uh, the problems for the front. They did draft a couple rookies for the defensive front, uh, defensive line, so we'll see how that pans out. Um, but you still have Khalil Mack. You still have Danny Trevathan. Raquan Smith is awesome. And then they brought in Robert Quinn this year to replace uh, Leonard Floyd, who went to the Rams. This kind of move I'm kind of up and down upon. I was a Leonard Floyd guy. I thought he was very good, very talented, but it obviously wasn't enough for the coaching staff and upper management to give him that big deal. So they let him walk in free agency. He signed on with the Rams, and then the Bears went shopping and paid a massive deal for Robert Quinn. Robert Quinn, to me, is a very good player. He showed out very well with the Dallas Cowboys last season, but I'm very terrified that you're going to see kind of a regression just because of how well he did play last season with Demarcus Lawrence. I mean, yes, is Khalil Mack better than Demarcus Lawrence? I would have to say yes. I mean, I don't think there's many people that will argue that. I mean, they're both stellar talents, but Khalil Mack is Khalil Mack. He could wreck a game in any second. What I saw with his defense last season was the fact that they gave up. And I don't blame them because the offense was so poor. Um, it's like the Denver Broncos when they had that stellar defense and their offense just wasn't up to par. They weren't showing as well and as strong as they did uh, in previous years. I think that was the t- the tale that we saw the Bears uh, defense do last season. So, I mean, I, I totally expect a rebound of sorts to come just because this defense is still far too talented. I mean, Rockland Smith is one of my favorite players at the linebacker position. I think he is that good, that talented. Danny Trevathan is still there. I mean, he's still he's still very good as well. So, I mean, you can't dislike it. And then off the edge, obviously, you got Robert Quinn and Khalil Mack, like I said. So, I, 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 I really do like this defense. I think they will carry this club throughout the first five, six weeks, depending on how the quarterback position does uh, unfold. And if, if Nick Foles does take over and he starts to, to make waves, that's when I think you're going to see this defense take the next step up and, and they're going to produce. So, like I said, I'm going to pick a division winner at the end of this show and we're coming to that time. So, I, I, I got to still stick with the Green Bay Packers. I think they, they're the they're the team to beat. I think the Detroit Lions are going to be second place. Uh, it, it will depend, of course, like I said, on health, on medicals, and, and Minnesota will try their best um, with, with the team that they got. But I think they lost a little too much uh, for me to bank on the fact that they're just going to be handed the number two spot. Um, I think Detroit is is the next up-and-coming offense. If they can, they can put it all together with DeAndre Swift and, and finally get a running game to be consistent enough to, to create the play-action plays, I think you're going to see a very, very talented group 
in 2020. So, I mean, that is the NFC North. We will be back to dissect the last two divisions. And, I mean, like we said before, the season is fast approaching. So, we are getting excited for that. Going to get these last couple shows in to get you ready for what these teams have. So, I mean, on that note, that is the show. Thanks for tuning in. You can find me on Twitter at Chris underscore ADF1. You can find the show on Twitter at ADF Underground. To all the listeners, we truly appreciate you. Thank you for all the support. And until next time, stay humble, stay peaceful, and take care of each other. I'm out.